Good evening, fiends, and welcome to Midnight Mass Creature Cast. You're listening to the Maiden Voyage, and I'm here with my good friend Chris. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Chris Davila, live and direct from my house in Houston, Texas. And I am coming to you live from Massachusetts. Man, couldn't be further away, could we? No, definitely <laughs> far. So yeah, so I am super excited to get this started. Um, as you know, I do another uh, movie podcast, but we do really bad movies. So I'm really excited to actually be talking about good movies for a change. Yeah, movies that we love. Yes, and and want to watch over and over with joy as opposed as opposed to being forced to or doing it for a weekly podcast. Yeah, I was just listening to your uh, latest episode um, about the witch or something like that. Uh, no, sorry, the devil. Oh, devil. Yes. Uh, Devil's Night. Devil's Night. Yeah. Yes. Was, I'm so sorry. Did, I would never want to watch that movie. Did you go get all the way through it? The episode? Okay. Make sure you send me your, your address. I'll send you a pin and a sticker. Anybody who's actually listened to that episode all the way through and can make it all the way through, I'm sending <laughs> them a free pin and a free sticker because that was a horrible, horrible movie. And we, we honestly debated about whether we were going to even drop it or just scrap it. But like, nope, we got, that's Halloween special. We got to drop it. So I would much rather listen to that episode than watch the actual movie <laughs> because the way you guys were talking about it, it sounds like it would just be a colossal waste of my time. It, it's a colossal waste of film period. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, for the inaugural episode, we are going to go over a movie that you chose, right? Yeah. So uh, right. one of my favorites, I saw 1994. It came out in 92, but I okay. saw it a couple of years later. And it is uh, in America. It's called Dead Alive. In the UK, it's titled Brain Dead. On this picturesque block, in this manicured home, something evil. Something terrifying, something horrifying, is haunting Lionel. His mother. I thought I told you to spray this house. The place is infested with bourbon. Although she was a little strict. Look at this dust. It's an inch thick. He never wished her any harm. You look after me like Until... <laughs> Your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, whatever mom's got... Who's your mother? ...has caught on with the neighbors. You can pray. I kick ass for the Lord. You can plead. You can beg for mercy. But nothing you can do will stop. Because how do you kill something that's already dead? Trimark Pictures presents a modern masterpiece of horror. Your mother ain't a girl! Dead Alive. Party's over. It's, I think it's Peter Jackson's second film. I think so. Yeah. I think you're right on that. Yeah. Um, 
So the synopsis is basically a young man's mother is bitten by a Sumatran rat monkey. She gets sick and dies, at which time she comes back to life, killing and eating dogs, nurses, friends, and neighbors. And there's a whole lot more to it than just that. Though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this movie is all over the place, let me tell you. And I can't help but um, feel that when Peter Jackson was making this movie, that he was somehow influenced by Sam Raimi and Evil Dead. Oh, it's all over this movie. That I just kept thinking about that over and over. And I, I kept having to remind myself this movie was made in 92 because it has a very 70s feel like Evil Dead. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the time period in the movie is 1950 to 50 something, but it, it feels right out of uh, Raimi's uh, Evil Dead original time period. Yeah. And that whole uh, the Three Stooges kind of comedy type stuff. And it was just <laughs> everything was so over the top. And I believe that's one of the things that made me fall in love with it when I first saw it, because I was like, hey, this is like Evil Dead and, you know, kind of like Army of Darkness after that. It mm. just uh, it has that same kind of vibe to it. Yeah, it it was so exaggerated. Every every single thing in this movie is extremely exaggerated. Um, for the most part, it's fine, but it does to me anyway, it does get to the point where it's a little bit over exaggerated to the, to the point where it breaks my uh, uh, sort of. Uh, you know, cause you, when you watch a movie, you want to be totally just invested in it and you want to, you don't want it to, you don't want to break the reality. And, and sometimes the, the over the extreme over the top breaks it for me. And instead of just sitting there watching it, I have to look away and go, Oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. They put that in there. Um, but at the end of the day, it just somehow works. Yeah, it did. Uh, I think uh, one of the reasons why it worked so well is because it's not the kind of movie that takes itself too seriously. Yeah. It's not presenting anything to you other than, Hey, this is utterly ridiculous. Just don't think about anything and enjoy it. And so that is probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed it because I didn't dissect everything and be like, Oh, well, that can't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you de- the, the, the title at least overseas is accurate. Brain dead. You have to turn your brain off when you watch this movie because it's one of those that you cannot at all overthink any little part of it because none of it is logical or makes sense. I mean, there's one of my favorite parts is in the graveyard with this priest that's suddenly a Kung Fu master. I absolutely love it. He's got my, he's got probably my favorite line in the entire movie. Um, and it doesn't go with, you know, what happened before it or what happens after it. It just, it's almost like this movie is like a weird sort of anthology, but an anthology that just keeps going within one universe as opposed to having separate stories around a wraparound story. This is just all at the same time. Yeah. It is so crazy how many different, like very short, um, um, story, uh, spinoffs that don't really go anywhere, but they still have to cut, they still come back around to the main story. It's so crazy. Yeah. The, it's like, uh, the way you said the anthology, it's almost a, the entire movie is a bunch of miniature episodes going on all at the same time. And we are learning about these characters and these characters are just so off the wall and so over the top, like the priest, you said, you know, it's just, and that line there, there's probably three lines in the movie that have become my favorite. Okay. And one of them is when the priest is in the graveyard. 
And uh, uh, what would so? What are your three favorite lines? All right, the first one would be, "Your mother ate my dog, <laughs> but not all of it." <laughs> yeah, and I'm just I'm just dying after I sound like, okay. <laughs> and then the priest, uh, the second one would be the priest. He's like, "I kick ass for the Lord." I love that's my favorite line. That's just the greatest line. I think you, in I think you should be walking around in your daily life and at least once a day say that to somebody, and your your, your day will be that much better. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a tie with the other one where the, the mother, this is after she'd been bitten mm-hmm. by the rat monkey, whatever the hell it is. And, she, um, the visitors are over and the, the wife wants to leave, but the guy is like, what? No pudding. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And I happened to be eating during that time. And there was just Pus everywhere, <laughs> just <laughs> dripping into the bowls. Nice. <laughs> like, why, why do I always end up eating during these parts of movies? We never learn. No, never do. What was a tie with the other one? Um, I'm trying to look that one up because I got it in my notes here. Okay. Um. Okay. Your mother ate my dog. Yep, that's the one. The other one that comes to mind for me is is you're pissing on my or that's my mom. You're pissing on. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she comes up and grabs him. Yeah, that's just before the, the priest jumps in. Um but yeah, so you what what how old were you when you saw this movie? Oh, let's see. Nineteen ninety-four. I had just gotten out of high school, so I was nineteen. Nineteen, okay. 94. I was 14 in 94, but I actually did not see this movie until I believe 2005 when I was 25. Okay. Cause, uh, that was around the time that, uh, you know, Peter Jackson was still really big with Lord of the Rings. And so as happens when a director gets really big with something, they start, you know, mass producing his other films to a wider audience. And I was able to come across this one as, as dead alive, of course. And, from what I, from what limited internet I had at the time, uh, what I read and what I saw, you know, everything kind of said it was very much influenced by Evil Dead, which I was a huge fan of at that time. And so I was like, okay, well, I, ha- I have to watch this movie. And at the time I watched it and I just, I was not a fan because I just felt like it was a sloppy wannabe foreign version of Evil Dead. And I took offense to that. And so I hadn't actually seen it in, since 2005 until this recently when I rewatched it for this uh, podcast. And while I don't have the amount of hate or dislike I had for it before, um, it's definitely, definitely influenced by Evil Dead. And I definitely see the humor and the genius in it now that I didn't see before. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's especially after seeing, I mean, if, if you want to see the difference, uh, a studio backed with money and a director with experience looks like watch this and then go watch his Lord of the Rings trilogy and just see oh, yeah. how much he grew as a director, as well as, uh, how much like having studio with the right amount of backing can do to create just a, a masterpiece versus something he did early in his career. Yeah. And to think that when you're watching a Lord of the Rings film and you go and look back and you're like, oh, Peter Jackson made this. Well, this is this is awful. There's not enough CG. There's not enough uh, 
story or whatever. But like, come to think, like, I think Peter Jackson's first film was Bad Taste. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the movie's okay, but I still prefer Brain Dead over Bad Taste. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, he, he also made King Kong the remake, which uh, that movie, like it or love it, it's, it is what it is, but you know, that's one movie where you can, you can actually just skip past the first hour and you won't have missed anything. Cause they're on that boat for the whole first hour of the movie and nothing actually happens. Hmm, okay. Have you seen King I Kong? I saw it, but it was a very long time ago. I okay. think it came out. I really don't like those three hour movies. I'd rather have it be an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, especially with Lord of the Rings. I found it very hard after the first hour to sit through. Yes. Because I knew there was still two hours left. <laughs> I just, I can't do it. Uh, you know, when I really get into something that I, I just totally uh, just dive right into, I always love when they drop an extended version. And I, I own and have watched the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings on multiple occasions. Just, you know, when, when I have the time, of course, when I have the time, I'm like, look, I have three hours. To, I have nothing to do. Let's let's pop the first one in and and watch that. And I just I love it. I mean, I can sit there and and, and even at three hours long again, maybe it's just because it's Peter Jackson. It, it keeps my interest the entire time. Oh, so you can uh, basically sit still through the entire three hours? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. See, I can't do that. I find it very difficult. Even when I was re-watching and taking notes mm-hmm. for the episodes, um, that hour and a half movie took me about four or five hours to get through. Oh, wow. Um, because I kept uh, pausing the movie, taking notes for parts that I thought were important. Mm-hmm. I'd get up and go to the bathroom, get up and move around a little bit, come back to it, you know, continue on. Yeah. So it's with me, it's like, I'd rather have, uh, I'd rather own the movie at home so I can pause it and do what I need to do and come back to it mm-hmm. because I can never finish it in just one sitting. Makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So speaking of notes, uh, what else do you have in your notes that you want to discuss on this, on this movie? Okay. Well, um, it turns out there were only two lines that I liked. Okay. And that uh, your mother ate my dog and the eye kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, I found one thing I found interesting was at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. they are on skull Island. <laughs> now <laughs> that's a tremendous foreshadowing to King Kong. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, now, and that's funny that you mentioned that because that was one of the things I mentioned to you off air about the trivia. And I only found that like in two sources and one source was Wikipedia. And so I'm like no other source I, I looked at mentioned it being Skull Island. And so I wonder if somebody because, you know, Wikipedia is a free for all. Anybody can go in and edit it anytime they want. So I wonder if somebody just did that after he made King Kong to sort of be like a expanded universe type thing. Um, oh, you didn't see it when you were watching the movie and at the beginning it says Skull Island 1950 something. No, I didn't. I missed that. So it actually is Skull Island. Yeah. Holy crap. I totally missed that altogether. Wow. Yep. And that's why I thought, cause I, I hadn't looked at the Wikipedia and when I was watching, I made the connection. I was like, oh shit, Skull Island. Okay. This, wow. this didn't make a little bit more sense here. And I guess it makes sense why he remade uh, King Kong, but it's cool to know that this movie is in the same universe as King Kong 
and uh, Skull Kong Skull Island and the coming up uh, Kong versus Godzilla. So it's all in the same universe. Wow, apparently so. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Hope we don't see any Sumatran rat monkeys, though. <laughs> it's a weird, scarier looking than Godzilla. Speaking of which, that uh, that stop motion animation on the monkey was fantastic. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I love how um, the monkey just killed, a, the, the rat monkey killed another monkey just with one hit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Ripped his arm off and started eating it. I was like, oh shit, this yeah. thing is boss. Just one like bitch slap and that monkey was dead. And then yeah. it tried the apple, didn't want it, and then it ate the monkey's arm. But like again, it's it's 92. So but what's funny is that <clears throat> this is 92, which means he probably started making it like in 1990, 91. But that next year, Jurassic Park came out, which completely changed the game on special effects and puppeteering and CGI. So just one year difference from this to, to Jurassic Park. But even, even then that stop motion, at least for me, holds up because it's janky. Yes, it's janky because of stop motion, but I still, I still realize that there's, there's actually something there, you know, there's a puppet they created. So there's a physical thing there that they're moving, they're manipulating, and it still feels more real than a lot of the CGI that you see. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like this movie for its use of the practical effects. Mm, oh my gosh. Yes. There's like severed heads. There's an actual baby. Well, it's not a real baby, but it's a baby puppet being thrown around. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is when the, since we're um, gotten into the baby thing is I like it. At first you're looking at the baby and it's like flying around the room and you can tell it's a little doll. But then when they're doing the parts where the baby's running away, it looks like a tiny person just like running around it's, with a mask on. It's quite obvious. It's a toddler at that point. It grew yeah. like like a foot and a half at that point. And so like it keeps going back and forth between a doll and then the baby changing sizes. Like here in this shot, the baby is small. In this shot, the baby is uh, changed size once again to the maybe the size of a four foot tall person. Yeah. And so, I, yeah. I think that's one thing I love about it is that I mean, again, he, the, the movie doesn't take it so seriously. So he, they obviously didn't have any concern whatsoever with continuity. They were like, just throw it in there. It's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, with the baby, like you said, when it's a doll, it looks like a, like a baby. When it's, when it's running around, it's obviously a toddler in an outfit running around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but somehow, you know, even though, again, that's one of the things I was talking about where it's like, it's so exaggerated. You're like, give me a break that they put that in there. But then. It just, with everything else going on in the movie, it just works. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take you completely out of the movie when that happens, because you know, again, going back to earlier comment, you know that this particular segment is going to end in about two minutes and we're going to have a whole new segment of craziness to even deal with. So let's not get too invested in that because something else is about to come along. That's right. And like, speaking of continuity, another thing that had me, it, when it has me, it only has me for a moment. And then I'm just like immediately on to the next story. But when uh, Paquita is in the shop and the grandmother's there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm thinking really quick, I'm like, all right, this is a Latina and the grandmother is Eastern European or something. She reminds me of a gypsy. Yeah. And the father is like, um, he's like a 
Eastern European too. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how the hell does that make sense that the grandmother <laughs> comes from Romania or somewhere and Paquita is like from Spain? And then immediately I was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the story goes on. <laughs> you, you realize you were, you were way overthinking it at that point. And you just, yeah, I was like, it's stop. not supposed to make that much sense. It's no, just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie that has, um, a, a zombies intestines and innards that are sentient and come to life. And so much so that at one point it stops and looks at itself in the mirror to admire itself. So you're definitely overthinking it at that point. Yeah. I had to rewind that part a couple of times because I was wondering what the intestines were doing. Yeah. They were admiring. I was like, that it's admiring itself, but it makes sense because it came from this, this greaser guy who obviously spent a lot of time in the mirror with his hair. So his intestines would do the same thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, again, this is all, this all sounds fantastic if you haven't seen the movie, but it, it all just somehow just kind of fits in together. It's just mash mishmash of just stuff that just works at a brilliant uh, level that where it still doesn't take itself seriously though. Right. Like it, like we said, it's like you're watching um, many different episodes all compressed together into one film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I love the party. I love when it gets into that. And uh, the zombies are all coked up on whatever the hell it was that he gave them and thought it was poison. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> wreaking havoc. And there's fists being put through skulls and everything. Oh my and God. That, that's not, uh, speaking of the party, that scene where the woman, the zombie woman gets shoved into the light on the light bulb and her whole face lights up. I absolutely love that scene because it cuts away to different, different parts of what's going on. But whenever it cuts back to that scene, she's still there on the wall with her whole face lit up by a light bulb. It's just, yeah. it's freaking wonderful. And she stays there for quite a while too. Yeah. While there's things going on in other places and eventually her head catches on fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, for the sake of continuity, they left that in. <laughs> they, they at least got that right. <laughs> the priest and the nurse are the ones who created the baby. Oh, yeah. getting it on. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, being dead makes the priest horny. Yeah. And much like much like I, I always talk about when I watch like movies about vampires, whatever, I'm like, how in the hell do they copulate? Because they're dead. Their blood is dead. Mm -hmm. how, how, how is that even possible? Again, overthinking it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But it is hilarious that the priest ends up banging the nurse whose head almost came all the way, which is hilarious because like the number of times that, that they, they pull her head back and then forward is just every time it makes me laugh so hard. Yeah. You would think that tiny little piece of skin wouldn't be hanging on all that tight. And eventually her head ju just roll off onto the floor. Right. <laughs> and it didn't the entire movie. It didn't. Even yeah. when she was souped up on that stuff, her head was still attached. Yeah. The only thing that bothered me about that was I can't stand that gurgling sound. Oh, oh yeah. It's driving me crazy. And that, that is <laughs> one thing. And that's one thing about the movie is it's very, um, it's very active with its sound effects. Like it's almost like ASMR uh, level. Cause like there's one scene where, when the, when, when uh, Pepita comes over to the house and the mom looks out and sees them both talking, right? She drops these two flowers she has in her hand and she steps on them. 
but they're flowers. But the noise that comes through from stepping on them is so loud. It sounds like it's glass or something. And yeah. I'm like, they pumped up the sound effects in this movie to like the nth degree. And I also want to mention that while I enjoy the acting from everybody because it is over the top, they the ADR in this movie is absolutely terrible. Everybody sounds like they're in the exact same room all the time talking at the same level, even when they're outside, inside. Um, I don't know if they just didn't have a good uh, sound booth or a good ADR uh, uh, engineer, but it all, their their sounds and their speech are consistent throughout the entire movie. And I'm like, oh, that's just, that's bad. But again, it didn't take me out of it. I still enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. And you're right, because when you hear the sound effects, it makes it, that much more gruesome because when you can hear the pus oozing out <laughs> into the bowl, yeah. when you can hear the monkey's head being squished by the mother as she's uh, putting her heel into it. Yes. It's, just, uh, it's really loud. Oh yeah. It's, it's over the top loud, like everything else in this movie over the top. Yeah. And, and I guess the only thing I really want to get into was mm-hmm. probably the best scene of the whole movie is the, the lawnmower massacre. Oh my God. <laughs> When Lionel comes in with that freaking lawnmower, I was like the original lawnmower man. (laughs) (laughs) And he is just mowing through zombies and there's just blood, guts, everything everywhere. And then like when it ends, he's just drenched in blood and viscera and everything. And he's standing in a pile. I'm like wondering how this guy did not fall over and like slip and bust his head open. Yeah, because he he during that whole scene, he, he you see him slip several times while he's going around. Yeah, because there's so much blood on the floor, but he he somehow maintains, you know, his footing the entire time. And I love that he, I love that he took the time to go outside, tie a large rope around the lawnmower so that he could hold hoist it over his shoulders and hold it that way, while he he massacred everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's ingenuity right there. And yeah. and, and speaking of over the top, that scene just before that. When he's when he's trying to get away from them while he's in the main air, main foyer, and he's basically doing a a Looney Tunes Scooby Doo oh, type I thing, mean, yeah. yeah, where he's like running in place because there's so much blood, and it's over the it's extremely comical, extremely Scooby Doo, and you just can't help but laugh. But it's like it's supposed to be a scene where you're you're scared for him because he's about to be overwhelmed by zombies, but then they completely undercut that with a extremely long sequence of him Scooby doing it on that, on the blood. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you're not, um, you're not really scared for him because it's not a threat. You know, he's going to get away. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, uh, just like evil dead where you think Ash is in trouble, mm-hmm. but then something goofy happens and he gets it. He gets out of it because he's the main character. Right. Of this. Uh, so this actually feels like so because, you know, the first Evil Dead, Ash wasn't the Ash that we know from Army of Darkness or like Ash versus Evil Dead. He's not that smart ass, you know, a-hole that we all love. You know, he, he's much more subdued character. And then it's not till Evil Dead 2 that he be, starts to become that with the whole chopping off of his hand. And, you know, and then Evil Dead 3 furthers that or Armory Darkness furthers that. This feels like he made all three of those movies into one. Because mm-hmm. the, yeah. char- the main character, Lionel, starts off very subdued, very normal. He's a little geeky, 
you know, but then big time door. Yeah. As it goes along, he, he slowly becomes Ash from evil dead Two, And then by the end with the lawnmower, that's full on Ash from army of darkness, you know? So what, what, what it took Sam Raimi three movies to do, Pete Jackson was able to do in one hour and a half movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I do want to talk real quick about the ending because when we get to yeah, that ending get that too. with the mom coming up as this, first of all, I want to say, I love the effect of the uncle with his spine wrenched out of his body. Oh, dude, there was two things I thought of about that. The mm. first one was Mortal Kombat Fatality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second one was, um, remember Return of the Living Dead Part 2 or whatever, when the girl was jabbing all those things into her face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the guy had his head ripped from his body, but he was still like he was still moving around with his spine attached and his head mm. was just like moving like that. And I was yes. like, that reminds me of Return of the Living Dead. But that came out afterward, I think. Yeah, it, I think it did because this was 92. Um, I think they came out like mid, maybe mid 90s, I think. Yeah. But you know, it, it really I mean, and not that it, the first thing I thought of when I saw it, I was like, wow, that looks like something from out of John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh shit. Yes. That too. It looks like, like a straight effect straight from there. I was like, that's, that's a great effect. It, you know, I mean, it was, it was great to see that the uncle get his comeuppance as well. Cause he was a mm-hmm. terrible character, but I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, like that scene in any other, any other movie, any other horror movie would have been absolutely terrifying. But in this movie, it was absolutely hilarious. It was. It yeah. was just funny. But then, then when the mother comes up and she's this giant 10 foot thing with like these like giant breasts that they decided to put nipples on for some reason. <laughs> and, and then she comes up and she's like this, it, it really felt like at that point, I'm like, okay, this movie is also a lot like a video game because you got to go through all these minions and then you get to the end boss and the mom is the end boss. She comes up like an end boss. Yeah. She's, it's almost like, uh, like demon souls or, or, or dark souls where she comes up and she's this giant monster. You got to fight at the end of the, of the level. And then they gun the roof and there's a whole fight on the roof. And then she swallows him. I'm like, this is like a video game. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Because he had that amulet or whatever the hell it is. He, he sawed his way out of her belly yeah. and it was just <laughs> still covered in gore. Yeah. <laughs> The amount of gore in that scene with the lawnmower is just, I mean, cause you watch it and you can see stagehands off, off camera, just throwing just cups of blood on him. You see the way it flies. It's obviously, obviously came from like a cup and not like a body because it's very narrow and streamlined the way the blood comes at him, but they're just tossing shit upon shit on him. I'm like, Holy <laughs> crap. But it's great. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, cool. So then let me ask this. Would you, for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, would you recommend it? Oh, I definitely would. Definitely would. Okay. I would say if you're, if you're into um, monster movies, not so much horror because it's not really a horror film to me. Mm-hmm. It's more of like a monster movie, a very campy one. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for some mindless fun, then definitely check it out. Gotcha. Yeah, I would say I would say definitely check it out. I recommend it as well. Um, I would say, as I mentioned earlier, turn your brain off. There, there's no need to follow plot or anything on this because it it changes so fast and everything comes at you so fast that you don't need to really keep up with it. Um, but also, if you're just interested in uh, special effects and how, you know, how we did it in the 90s and the 80s and before that before CGI and how a person can can truly 
go above and beyond with, with special effects and practical effects. This, this is the movie to watch for sure. So I guess I'm going to start off with the first one. And this movie is said to be the bloodiest of all time measured in the amount of blood used during the production of the film. Yeah. I mean, you can see it. It is that last scene. Oh my God. On its initial release in its home turf of New Zealand, this movie earned more per screen than Batman Returns. That's crazy. <laughs> that is. Wow. That, I remember how big Batman Returns was. Yeah. Yeah. 300 liters of fake blood were used in the final scene of the film. That's just. I don't know how much 300 liters is, but it sounds like a lot. Yeah. That sounds like a swimming pool. I don't know if that's right, but that sounds like a swimming pool worth of blood right there. Yeah. I wonder how many times the actor actually slipped on that floor. Oh, I just can't imagine the number of takes and, and reshoots and redos on that scene, you know? <laughs> yeah. Golly. The movie was finished under budget with 45,000 New Zealand remaining. Peter Jackson used it to spend two days shooting the park scene with Lionel and the baby Selwyn. He has gone on to say that that is his favorite scene. <laughs> you could tell he put a lot of love into that scene because there was... Like that, like you said, that scene was like an entire episode. And when it ended, it just moved on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. It was so slapsticky. It, it was almost like watching like a Mr. Bean episode. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything just kept going wrong for this poor. And, and he was doing the exact same thing Mr. Bean would do. Because, you know, he sat down on, on, on the bench and he was watching another mother uh, talk to her and call her ba cuddle her baby. And he would mimic what she was doing, which is something Mr. Bean would do all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It was, it was, you can tell it was definitely a tacked on scene, but it was, again, it didn't follow the rest of the movie, but it was just like, cause there's, there's really no reason for him to take that baby to the park at all. No, that's a zombie baby. Yeah. He doesn't need to be fed. He's, I mean, he, he eats like meat, whatever, but he doesn't need to be taken to the park and all that stuff. But for some reason he just felt the need to take him to the baby. But you know what? I'm glad he put it in there. Yeah. That definitely made the movie what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the BBFC loved the film and found the gore so comical and inoffensive that they seriously considered granting it a 15 certificate. Wow. And they determined that the sheer quantity of gore would confound expectations at 15 and therefore rated it 18. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love this next one. The rental in Sweden and probably other countries as well came with a supplemental vomit bag. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't even throw up and I was eating. I <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I love, I love that fact. That's great. <laughs> I remember in the, in the old days, men going to the movies and sometimes they would have, I think they had vomit bags even for um, Scarface. Really? Yeah. No kidding. I mean, I shouldn't have been in the movie theater at that age when Scarface came out, but I remember <laughs> having to close my eyes a whole lot because there was a lot of stuff that I didn't want to see. <laughs> yeah. At that time. Wow. That, that's amazing. Yeah. Ah, here we go. During the lawnmower scene, movie blood was pumped at five gallons per second. Golly, that's one of those, one of those bottles at the like, drinking fountain. That's five gallons right there. They pumped that much per second. God dang. Yeah, that, that stuff was just flying everywhere, like you said. Oh, my God. Uh, as of 2015, this film has not been released on DVD in New Zealand. Wow. Whoa. 
And oh gosh, interestingly enough, I had to import it from Korea. Did you really? Yeah, I found it on eBay. It was available in Korea. Um, I couldn't get it on digital release anywhere in the United States. In the UK, it's available for digital release, but not around here. Wow. That, I, that reminds me, I don't know how I saw it in 2005. I don't remember if I rented it or if it was DVD. Um, it might have been on, it might have been like a pay-per-view type thing before on demand, you know, mm -hmm. the, the pay-per-view where you go and just buy a movie for a while. I think that's how I saw it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, Peter Jackson is a well-known aficionado of the original version of King Kong, 1933. In the beginning of Brain Dead, the New Zealand zoo official is stealing the rat monkey from Skull Island. Ah, okay. There yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that's Jackson's nod to Skull Island's more famous resident, King Kong. Jackson would return to Skull Island for his 2005 remake of King Kong. Again, that's, and that was something I didn't pick up on the first viewing. And then this, when I watched it again, I hit play. I had to run out of, the, out of the room real quick and grab something. So I missed that, but I love it. I love that he set this movie in the same universe as Kong. Yeah, that's really interesting. The name of the dog is Fernando as a tribute to director Fernando Trubia, uh, Truba, Truba, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Because it was at one of his films where Peter Jackson first saw, Oh, Diana Penalover, which who was a uh, Paquita. Yeah. Might I just say that she was beautiful. She's very beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous. It looks like now, but back in 1992, whoo, smoking. I loved her accent. Yeah. Super hot. Uncle Les is hit in the groin five separate times during the final act of the film. <laughs> and it's still not enough. No, he needed a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the song played on the organ as the mourners wait to enter the church prior to the embalming scene is none other than Sodomy from Peter Jackson's previous film, Meet the Feebles, 1989. Interesting. I don't think I've ever seen that film. I haven't even heard of it until I was doing research for this one. Huh. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. The tarot cards in the film are from Alistair Crowley's Toth. I thought they looked familiar because I have that same deck. Oh, cool. But two cards, the star and the Prince of Cups are different from the ones featured in the deck. And they were probably specially prepared for the film. That's sweet. Ah, cool. That's really cool that he had that. Yeah. Uh, Lionel's symbol in the tarot card deck is a black armored knight. When he first meets Paquita, he tries to buy some black knight licorice. Did mm, not realize that. Very, that. very cool. So it was called Black Knight Licorice or like, is that the name of it in New Zealand? I wonder if that was, I think that was the name of the brand, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Black Knight was the brand name. I'll have to go back and watch again, but I think that's what it was. Ah, Diana Pinalver's character is named after the grandmother of the actress Paquita Maria Sanchez. Very cool. Huh. Famed gorehound Eli Roth once said Brain Dead was one of, if not the only film that actually quenched his bloodlust. I'm surprised at that because uh, Eli Roth is just like gore porn. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just, it, yeah, that's exactly the right term, gore porn. <laughs> the Hungarian title means like cool. In Hungary, this word is made up by adding two words, dead and good, together. <laughs> it's just so random. <laughs> uh here's a here's an interesting one this movie was only shot in 11 weeks that is a short turnaround time for a film 
Very short. 11 damn weeks. Another connection to King Kong, actor Forrest J. Ackerman, the guy who takes the picture of Lionel's mother crushing the rat monkey's head, is an uncredited fleeing extra in the crowd in the 1976 version of King Kong. <laughs> he loves King Kong. That is that is cool. Yeah. Peter Jackson's character, the Undertaker's assistant, is very similar to his character Derek from Bad Taste in 87. He has the same haircut and glasses, does the same strange smile, and his character acts in a very similar way. Huh. Yeah, I only saw the first half of um, Bad Taste, so... I guess he misses his character in that one. Uh, yeah, I might have. Or I didn't know that was Peter Jackson at all. <laughs> and see, I, the same thing happened to me for Lord of the Rings. I didn't realize he was in the films until much later. And then when you see it, it's like, oh, it's, it's obvious. He's like right there in, in the middle of the screen. Oh, wow. Okay. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. He's, he's in all three of the films. Now the first one, uh, it's hard to see, but, uh, in the first one, when they get to the prancing pony and they enter and there's a bunch of bums around there, uh, he's one of the bums and he's like off to the right or whatever. But, uh, in the third one for sure, he, um, he's one of the pirates on the boat that they overtake. Okay. I'm yeah. going to have to rewatch those and look out for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's always cool to see that. In the adventures of Tintin, the secret of the unicorn, when Tintin meets Captain Haddock, Haddock calls Snowy the giant rat of Sumatra, a nod to this brain dead, AKA dead alive. Jackson produced the adventures of Tintin. I didn't, I haven't seen that film, but that's really cool that he put that in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I had no idea about that. And no kids watching that film. are going to get that reference at all. Probably not. No. no. Uh, the U.S. trailer was narrated by Percy Rodriguez. I don't know who that is. No. But I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the film was originally supposed to be shot with a four and a half million dollar budget instead of the three million dollar budget. Wow. I can't believe it had a million dollar budget over a million dollar budget. That's crazy. Yeah, I would have thought maybe like. 50,000 or something. Yeah. I, I was thinking maybe six figures, but there's no way I thought it had a, over a million dollars. That's, I mean, wow. I'm sure it was a million just in blood alone, but man, that is a lot of money for that film. It is. Uh, David Arnell is credited as Misk Crew. He was in fact executive producer for Avalon NFU NZ Studios, who provided substantial funding for Braindead through numerous studio facilities, enabling the film to be made. Peter Jackson paid homage to this to this film in his version of King Kong. During a scene in the boat, you can see a crate with the words Sumatran rat monkey clearly shown on the side. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Okay. It just comes full circle. Now I just have to watch King Kong again just to see that. I do. I got to see that too. Yeah. And I'm going to have to find Adventures of Tintin so I can at least see the, uh, the, the reference. I just love, I love, I love when directors do that when they just sneak in references to another of the movies just throughout their career. It's great. Yeah. Uh, the original version begins with a perfect print of a 1950s national anthem showing the footage of Her Majesty's the Queen against the New Zealand flag. Ingeniously, this gives no indication of what's to follow. As a further mark of respect towards Her Majesty, during the final gore fest, Lionel turns her portrait to the wall to stop it from being splattered with blood. I wondered why he did that. I thought that was, a, I thought that was his mom's portrait. I did too. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Learn something new every day. Yeah, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That is very, very, very interesting. I, ah, wow. Cool. 
Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Okay, that's our show for the week. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you can write to us at MMCC. Oh, okay. You can write to us at mmccpod at gmail.com. If you have any movie suggestions you would like us to check out and discuss, we encourage listener interaction. And so we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. And, and then they can go check out our Facebook page. Um, just go do a search for Midnight Mass Creature Cast and you'll see our page and with our pretty faces and go like it. And again, you can also uh, suggest movies there as well and interact with, interact with us on there. And we'd love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. All right, bud. Well, I had a lot of fun with this movie and watching it and talking about it. I learned so much through the trivia as well. So I'm looking forward to next week's episode for sure. Oh, absolutely. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. We will see you all next week.